Hello. This June, I published my sixth book. It's called, as you probably know by now, 1923, and it is extremely close to my heart. It tells the story of what happened to me during the COVID lockdowns when the world shut down around us. That was when a mysterious roll of projected film from 100 years ago came into my possession, which in itself is quite a long story. What followed was an immersive journey into a lost world of the riders of a distant, merciless Tour de France and their sometimes brutal fates as they raced through a Europe that was simultaneously cooling down after the conflagration of the Great War while at the same time firing the starting pistol for the next chapter in its own destruction. But alongside that, the summer of 1923 is a time of insane and bewildering creativity across the continent. Pitched into this cultural and political maelstrom is one mysterious Flemish rider, whose life I start to uncover and whose descendants I seek to contact in the real world. This is a love story to the Tour de France, told a century too late, an avalanche of discoveries that became my sole purpose and my sustaining mission. It's called 1923, The Mystery of Lot 212 and the Tour de France Obsession, and it's out on June the 22nd, but available to pre-order from all the usual places. Lots of loose ends I haven't tied up. Well, I can, there are lots. I can only think of one off the top of my head. What are you talking about? Jason Osborne. Oh, yeah. We said we'd find out. Yes. We found out. What is it? Um, his dad's British. No. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess. <laughs> and his mother's German. Um, so that's that's the reason. Yeah. And yeah. Do, we have, do we know why his dad's uh, uh, a German expat? No, but I'm going to try and British find out. British expat I, I think, in Germany. I think I, I know how to find that out. So his agent got back to me and just said the bare bones of that is his dad's British. and um, So his agent got back to me, which is impressive. Good yeah. agent, Jason yeah. Osborne's got. That's good. Um, but also, um, a Twitter user whose name I can't remember, but thank you if you're listening, uh, pointed me the way of a German language podcast, a cycling podcast, that's a bit Nefestre's Fari. Oh, really? Yeah. And apparently, and I've only got 20 minutes into it, and they haven't got, got around to talking about Jason Osborne yet, because mm. they're talking about all sorts of other stuff, but I think they do, and I'm going to carry on listening to it, and uh, maybe he'll flesh out a bit more details. Maybe he'll explain his haircut, who knows? Yeah. Um, but but the uh, one of the co-hosts of the podcast is an ex-rider who we've met and I used to know quite well called do you remember paul foss yes yeah i know him well you know him well he's he's in towards gravel now oh is he a gravel dude yeah he's gravel dude full gravel dude oh, that's good. yeah he won yeah. the 200k tracker gravel event in drona a couple of months ago okay yeah all right so oh, he's, yeah, still, he's, full he's still racing yeah um yeah he's one of the co-hosts of of um of it's a podcast called der besenwagen what does that mean? Well, guess. What do you think? Broomwagon. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Good guess, David. Thanks. Bismarck. Yeah. Huh. And um, and uh, the other funny thing about it is, well, it's not particularly fun. No, it is quite a fun. It's definitely a fun podcast. And he's, re- he's a really good, um, I like listening to his voice, Powell and his co-hosts. But um, uh, they are sponsored by... Um... I don't know. Athletic Greens. Are they? <laughs> yeah. There you go. So they did. A, they do a little um, front-loaded adverts that literally says all the things about multivitamin, multi oh, really? and multi. Yeah, it's really funny. There you so go. Yeah, at, the German all the German. Well. It's Athletic Greens. It's not. Uh, athletic, how do you do AG one? Athletic, athletic Greens. How do you do AG one? AG Ans. AG Ans. Yeah, but I think they say AG one. AG one. AG one. 
<laughs> der Besenwagen. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I wonder if anybody in Germany comes to Never Strays Far to find out stuff that we know that they don't. About anything. Well, like Jason, that's like true. Jason Bourne. Yeah, nothing cycling related. They wouldn't no. really they wouldn't really learn no. too much about cycling, but they might learn about Wittgenstein, um the writings of Martin Amis. Yes. Um occasional thermodynamics. Physics, how to build a, how, how to build a dam, how to um useful stuff, cathedrals. Hay bales. Yeah. Eleventh century. Look at that. Maya Blanc. Yeah, Max Poole. What a ride. Max Poole. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's big so dude, he's 20 he? years old? Yeah. God, that's good, getting fifth in like the Queen stage of Dauphiné. It's not bad, is it? It's really, really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. DSM just keep chucking out all these really good climbing... I know. ...talented climbing dudes. That's so, so he was ahead of all of Ineos Grenadiers. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Egan Bernal, chapeau. Was there? Yeah, we thought. Well, you we thought, thought, you were keeping your eye on, and you thought he was in that it was group. Danny Martinez. That the, that, yeah, it was actually Danny Martinez. Yeah. So he was the best of the Grenadiers, wasn't he? But yeah. <sighs> progress from progress from Bernal. Yeah, that's yeah. progress. Okay, that was a right. like Queen Mountain stage. When you look at the likes of Godu, yeah, and others, yeah. I can't think of the others off the top of my head. We're right enjoying now. the Godu drama. We I are, am. aren't we? Yeah, I am. I'm really <laughs> stoking it. It's like a proper. Um, Little narrative going on there. A polemic. And you were like bigging up Lenny Martinez. Massively. Massively. Well, he's he's only 19. It's just great. What a ride. Yeah. Wow. He was up there in that group as well. 19 weighs about 19 kilos as well. He's a tiny little kilos. Teeny tiny. But I just like the idea of, I just like the idea of um, Grupama FDJ having all this drama behind the scenes, potentially. Because mm. they've got to, their state, they've got to get a stage. If they're not going to land David Godu on the podium. Yeah. What are they? So then they've got the Pino thing, and then they've got the Demar thing, and then they've got the you know, and they've got Godu, whose head's coming off a little bit here under pressure. Yeah, I mean there may be some you know really good physiological reason why he's underperforming here at the Dauphiné. It's a perfect story for Pino, isn't it? Just come in and save the day for just the final tour. Come yeah. and save it. Yeah, to have him get on the podium. Yeah, win a stage or two, get the climbers jersey. Yeah, just run a muck. Yeah, have yeah. amazing good luck throughout. Yeah. Yeah. And he might have like Jalabert had in the 2003, 2002 Tour de France. What happened to Jalabert in the 2002? Everywhere throughout the casino. It was his final tour. It was Merci Jalabert. Oh. And it was written everywhere on the road oh my signs. God. That's nailed on, isn't it? Merci Thibault. Merci Thibault throughout the whole tour. Yeah. They've got to do that. There's got to be a Merci Thibault thing going on. Yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. And then he just, and he just has his best ever tour. But he says, I'm not going to retire. I found yeah. it. I understand how to do this now. Yeah. Yeah. Too old though. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, the idea. It won't happen, obviously, because it's Tebow. Yeah. Well, I'll, um, uh, I have to say, Mark Maddio, if they're doing another Netflix documentary, he is quite a star of the Netflix talk. Oh, why wouldn't he be? So, you know, he'd be featuring like Hollywood magic. Mm. Mm. Do you want to hear what I was thinking about on my commute in this morning? Did you ride in this morning? No, no, I took the train. I've been kind of lacking on the riding in, actually, yeah, this time. big time. I don't know. The weather's really good as well. Yeah. Anyway, what did you think on your commute? Um... I'm reading this book called Why Buddhism is True. Now, I wasn't expecting you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was going into, because the, the whole concept of meditation is to try and kind of disconnect yourself from your thoughts to a certain degree. And you go into this idea of 
non-self that actually I'm not my thoughts I'm kind of above that and you need to try and see your thoughts that's the whole concept of mindfulness anyway it goes into this idea of when you do that you then separate objects and things from the narrative that you built around them so if I see you or if I see somebody kind of let's say Vingegaard looking on TV now yeah the essence of Vingegaard he's an, he's an accumulation of everything we know about him so I was thinking about this in bike riders. Hang on, that was quite a lot. That's quite a heavy concept. Yeah. What we're seeing there, our perception of what we understand Vingegaard to be, is an accumulation of everything that we built up. We sort of built the narratives that we have, that we have. aggregate that we have. But you have a different Jonas Vingegaard to me, exactly, because of our subjectivity. It's exactly. Yeah. So the idea is kind of how do you sort of disconnect that and see everything. It's kind of and objectively, but that, then that would require... So it's more objectively rather than subjectively to a certain degree. Anyway, my, my point is this. The reason I was thinking about this, because I was reading some of the reviews and some of the feedback of the Netflix do- documentary, and people yep. are saying, oh, couldn't they go more into that athlete or that subject? Yeah. Which is really interesting, So you think, well, actually, a lot of what cycling is about are all these stories we build up around the individuals. We were just talking about Thibaut Pinot. Yeah. For ages, because There's a good wealth of accrued exactly. sort of like inherited knowledge yeah. about, about Thibaut. And so, what makes something like that documentary, what makes cycling so great, and why we love the Tour de France so much, is because there are so many stories. Yeah. And people, you know, when you see Velon and they try to create these new races, yeah, you can't because there's no stories. Yeah. They're just coming from nowhere. Yeah. And I found that really interesting because if you're going to kind of do a story in the Tour de France, you'd really want to do deep dives on the characters, and you were just saying about Madio. Yeah. Mario's brilliant. Yeah, he is. But you'd think he's an absolute madman if you were just watching for the first time. <laughs> you literally would, yeah. actually. And it's, but yeah. we love that madman. He's yeah. part of cycling yeah. because he just, he's the essence of Mario. Yeah. So you go into, well, what's the essence? And sometimes we say Vingegaard, it's quite difficult to find the essence of Vingegaard. Yeah, well. Because he's quite yeah. Vingegaard. And yeah. yet with Tade, essence of Tade is fabulous. Yeah. You, you just love, whenever we see him, you love the way he rides on the bike. Yeah. He looks. Yeah. But that's only because got, of all the I've things he's done. I've got confession to make in a second. So yeah, so that was yeah. just my point. I thought it really interesting when I was reading. I put that correlation between what I was reading in that book with the reviews and feedback I've been seeing in Tour de France on the Unchained, where people are like, well, it's missing the deeper dives. Yeah. And some of these people to really build it out. Yeah. Like Taddy's like a bit part. Or yeah. there's no, there wasn't the Cavendish story. Well, they got unlucky with... well. They didn't sign up UAE, so they had no access to yeah. Tadej Pogacar, which was, uh, mm. they're hamstrung by that. I yeah. wonder whether they've changed that for yeah. this coming year. But, um, mm. yeah, my confession, I rode into work today, and mm. it was sunny, and there was, l- it was Saturday, so there was little traffic on the roads. And I was enjoying myself, actually, so I wasn't battling London traffic. And at one point in Acton, I tried to ride like Tadej. Oh, did you? Well, just on your own? Just yeah, just on my own. I, try, I, w- I was feeling quite good and I was feeling quite strong because I've been riding quite a long distance now for over a week. So I've actually done, you could almost call it training, yeah. inadvertent training. I've, I'm a bit fitter than Accidental I was a week training. ago. Accidental training. I'm a bit fitter. So I thought, push on a bit here. And then I thought, I'm not just going to push on a bit. I'm going to push on in the style of Tadej Pogacar. Mm. I imagined um, that I had a little tuft of hair like sticking out of the helmet vents like that. And I tried to, this is what I tried to do. I tried to just put into my position on the bike just that little slight, Nice, like little, little, little roll, little roll, shoulder roll, just slightly shoulder roll on the head, almost. It's almost as if the shoulders roll, but the head stays kind of like, yeah, like rooted a, like in a kind of gyroscope, like a, like on, on a gimbal, like an owl. So, like the head is suspended in space, yeah. uh, you know, p- triangulated yeah. at that point, but the shoulders just roll a little bit. Is that it? But then I thought, then I thought, 
if I got that right, and I felt like instinctively, I felt like I looked a bit like Pogaccia, and then I suddenly realised I was rolling a bit too much, and I became Froome very quickly. Oh wow! Yeah, tilted into Froome. So there's a, so. the essence. You almost captured the essence of Taddy and slipped into essence of Froome. Essence of Froome. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what's your what's your accrued understanding of being Jonas Vingegaard? If you had to write a a, a film noir or an experimental film called Being Jonas Vingegaard, being Jonas. what would it be about? What I think is, it would be, if he's, he is very um, Danish noir, isn't he? I yeah. find. Yeah. Kind of just very... Look at him, look at him there. Yeah. We just, we just had a picture of him. Just he's waiting, waiting to, to be interview, interviewed. Yeah. And he just had this, just looking down, yeah. with this sort of pensive look. Yeah. It, I, I've got a sense with Jonas, there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of darkness in there that he's trying to... Hang on, we're going to get... Let's listen to Jonas. Should we have a little listen? The boys really worked hard for me all day today and uh, we had the plan to, to go for it and uh, I'm really happy to, to take the win and to, to pay it off in the end. Uh, so yeah, I want to, to say thanks to all my, uh, my teammates. How, why and when did you attack? I mean, is it, is it pure instinct? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the last climb here was uh, getting steep with six and a half to go, and uh, then we decided to have uh, Tish and uh, yeah and Attila to go full gas, uh, yeah, to make it really hard, and then I had to attack when they could not go anymore, um, and that's that's what happened. And uh, luckily, I was uh, I was able to go alone, and uh, I'm uh, I'm really happy with the with the win, of course. The race is not over. There's still the stage tomorrow. But the, the, jer the jersey is really on your shoulders uh, comfortably. Um, it's it's a new race tomorrow. It's a completely different race. This time you'll really be this defensive. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Tomorrow is another day, and uh, we'll see tomorrow uh, how I feel and how uh, yeah how everything is. I think uh, going into it will be more uh, defensively. Yeah. A lot of people talk about the Tour de France. How important would it be for you to win the Dauphiné? I mean, of course, it's uh, it's one of the biggest races in the world, so it uh, would would be a big honor for me to uh, yeah to win this race. It's uh, one I always dreamed of just riding, basically. So uh, so if I'm able to win it, I would be uh, super super happy. One last question um, concerning your shape: Are you right now at your peak? Uh, no, I don't. I, I don't think so. I um, yeah. I think I still have some 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 work to do. Actually, that's pretty promising. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jonas. That kind of came to a sort of slightly premature end there, um, as he uh, threatened to do a bit more work to get better. Mm. What would your film? What would your Jonas so film be? I yeah? think um, it's almost like he's the outsider. Who's nice? nice. I like yeah, it. He's the outsider who doesn't fit in has never felt kind of like he's part of the peloton that he's here to do a job yeah and get it done yeah and go back to his other life yeah it's almost like the but what i find so this is what's interesting with him he said he dreamt about it kind of when he was younger i didn't buy that i didn't buy that either i also well i didn't i think it's the polite uh, thing yeah. to say the appropriate thing to say but yeah. i can't see little jonas watching the dauphine no well that's the point maybe he did but we don't know it's yeah. like he had this hidden yeah. secret that kind of he's never dreamt of it even happening. Yeah. And now he's here. He's like, well, I'm just going to get it done. Kind of. So there's that, there's that kind of contradiction to him where he's this fish out of water. 
to well, yeah. the story yeah. of him being working in a fish shop, which everyone's <laughs> just going to go on to. Actually, no one really mentions it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, so I have a feeling with Jonas Vingar, it's kind of, you'd like to kind of create this thing where he's just a mercenary coming to accomplish what he's got to accomplish, and then he's just going to get the hell out. Oh, I'll tell you what. We've, oh, yeah. Um, we, should we hear from Max Poole? Yeah. You're going to let another look. The white jersey is on your shoulders and you were in the mix with all the best to take us through that uh, that final climb. Yeah, it was uh, I mean it was a tough stage really from the from the get-go. Uh, I was on the pedal all day and um, yeah, it was a pretty hard pace at the bottom and uh, just tried to push through that uh, that barrier and then settle into it and do my own race and um, and yeah, just try to, to focus on my race, not get too involved with what was going on up ahead. Are you are you surprised by your level? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think coming into the race, you know, we didn't really know where I was going to be at. Um, you know, it's been a bit of a bit of a long block, so coming to the end of that now, and um, you know, we come here with a young young team, uh, wanted to try new things and uh, try and experiment a bit. So um, it's definitely a nice place to be in, um, and hopefully, yeah, we can finish strong tomorrow as well. And to enjoy a podium ceremony and a jersey, I mean that's I guess pretty pretty special for a young rider like you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's always nice to uh, to be on a podium ceremony in a big race like this. You know, I don't think there's really there's only three races probably outside of this that's uh, probably bigger. So um, no, yeah, it's super special. So tomorrow you're gonna fight fight like crazy to to keep that jersey, the white jersey, best young rider. That would yeah. mean a lot. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I'll uh, I'll try my best. Um, I'll not get too stressed out by it. You know, I'll just do what I can do. And um, you know, if I do that, then I'll be happy whether I keep it or not. Um, and I think it's been a good race so far. So hopefully, we can uh, keep it going tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, what a composed interview that was. He's not faced at all by being in this position he finds himself in. Quite amazing, really. A ready-made rider, isn't he? I really? know. I mean, it's. I think sometimes when you're in that position in your career, you don't quite. Get it. Realize the what, kind of the, the where you've landed up. Yeah, yeah. Kind of that's it's a, an insane result to get what fifth he finished on the stage and the Queen stage of Dauphiné. Yeah, I mean that's that's really big. Yeah, you know it's the sort of thing where if his career is ten years long, you look back and go, "Holy crap! I got yeah. fifth in my first Queen stage in the Dauphiné, and I just kind of rolled with it." Yeah, it's that. It, it, so there's a there's a, a sort of a fine line between being, as you said, grounded and also like. Hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're getting at. This yeah. is like, yeah. Like, oh, so you've got to kind of wallow in it as well. So there's a fine line between going, that was an amazing result. I can't believe I did it. Yeah. But also because by being that grounded, it's like, well, yeah, no, that's good. I can kind of, I'm just going to progress from here. It's actually, if you do this in five years, getting fifth in this mountain stage, it's really good. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> true. you know, it doesn't get much. There's only four people and one of them's Tour de France defending champion, reigning champion. The other guys are kind of up and as a Giro to Giro, Giro winner, winner in front of you. Yeah, it's Ben O'Connor, who we know is really good. Adam are, Yates, they're at the peak of their career. Yeah, Adam yeah. Yates, yeah. they're the only four riders in front of you. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, you'll be happy with that at any point in your career. Yeah, you know, so it's, yeah, so it's quite a fine line between being grounded and also. Uh, <laughs> this is nuts uh, yeah incredible Inc yeah. incredible rise to the top and he's a big unit as well for a climber isn't he he's a, he's a he big a, lad he, just, he? I don't know he just looks big on the bike he looks tall yeah yeah so yeah he might Maybe be in time trial then yeah, I might have to get hold of his number and get him to you know because oh, if he's he could take it out from yeah. Harrison yeah. yeah we've had a lot of um, we've had a lot of uh, people suggesting Fred Wright oh yeah but I think he's too big for us no surely not 
Well, I'll have to. I don't. I also, well, I don't have his number. Well, a bigger test, wouldn't it? I don't have his number. Well, you know his dad. I do know his dad. Yeah, but yeah, that's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Can I have your son's number? No, it's not. It's professional. <laughs> <laughs> I also think. I, I think you know bigger and better podcasts than us would probably be all over it. And also, they can probably offer him some money. Uh, oh yeah. And we can't. Uh, you could give him a T-shirt, I suppose. You give him a T-shirt and a tote bag. <laughs> Happy days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so Buddhism. Are you a Buddhist? No. But uh, no, no. But I'm interested in all the mindfulness and the meditation. Uh, do you meditate? I do, yeah. 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 I do. Yeah, I mean, it really, it takes a while to get the hang of it. Yeah. But it, it is really good at just kind of seeing things differently. Yeah. Calming my head down, anybody's head down. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it is, it's really interesting, that concept of kind of just removing yourself from all these kind of preconceptions you have and s seeing it from slightly above yeah it allows you to kind of look at things differently and yeah. see things kind of freshly which is nice yeah we, we kind of we miss so much don't we and it's, it's i'll give an example when we're at the tour de france and kind of pottering around we tend to be in that state of mind where we're very open-minded yeah which i think is one of the things you love about it yeah because when we're in kent we're not we're just on autopilot. Well, you can just be open-minded, but you're not going to see much. Get, you're not going to get much out of it. But are you? you've yeah. already set that in yeah. your head. Yes, yes, that's you true. See, you could yeah. do. I mean, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But we decide not to. But we go with a very different mindset to the tour. Yeah. And a very open to st appreciating things. Yeah. And looking at things and being curious. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is is part of that kind of concept of mindfulness in a way is seeing things kind of freshly. Yeah. And with a different perspective, yeah, um, yeah, which tourists do, yeah. It's yeah. interesting that whole idea about uh, you know how different or similar our two collective imaginations of Jonas Vingegaard. Well, I don't know why we're focusing on him because he is a bit of an enigma. You know how how we've basically been presented with the same evidence, but we might have reached slightly different yeah. conclusions. Like that debate discussion we had the other day about Egan Bernal's 2019 Tour de France. Yeah, and and, and the lessons created learned a different story. And, cr you, and uh, do you remember I sort of said to you, "Is that how you remember the race?" And you went, "Absolutely, hundred percent." And I went, "That's so strange because it's not how I remember the race." Yeah. And as a result, we've both reached slightly different conclusions. So about you have who a different you have a different essence of burnout. That uh, well yeah, I have. You have a different, and I have maybe a slightly different essence of Vingegaard. My essence of Vingegaard is, yes, there's the outsider thing going on, but also there's a slight, I think. And again, this is just, I'm, this is based on nothing really. It's just an impression that I've built up on his utterances, the way he, he comports himself, what happened to him after he won the Tour de France to some extent, mm. what happened to him as he won the Tour de France. Th there is for me a slight, and it, yeah, it does tie in with your outsider thing, um, similarity perhaps with Froome. Yeah. In that um, I think his presence in the peloton, his fulfilment of his contract with Jumbo Visma, his ticking off of his... Um, now preordained ambition always to win the Tour de France is uh, is kind of what's the word I'm after it's almost like a, he's not doing it with passion he's doing it with the execution of a plan that must be fulfilled you know mm. like this is what I'm going to do and he's probably I wouldn't be surprised if Jonas Vingegaard has drawn a line in the sand that he hasn't told anyone about of like maybe three me three more years yeah and then I'm out yeah. and, when, and by the way when he's out he's going to be out isn't he yeah yeah like he, he's going to be fully out. Yeah. Um, so, I, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a kind of interesting guy. However, 
He took a dominant win on the Quad de la Fer today, and mm. I can't say that I found it much of a spectacle. The no. mountain looked great, but it yeah. was a curiously bloodless yeah. victory. It was. It didn't set the pulse racing at any point. Even his acceleration was just like, in an instant, it was done, wasn't it? But isn't that strange? Because if Taddy did it, we'd be excited. Exactly the same thing. Or Remco. Or Rem- Remco, I'd lose my mind. Or Mathieu. <laughs> yeah, see? Wow. So that's a really interesting one. They've got kind of essence of exciting races. Yeah. And with Mathieu van der Poel, it's because he's kind of... He swings between being absolutely godlike and quite human at times. Yeah. And with Tade, it's just because you're almost sharing his absolute excitement. Yeah. His just raging kind of fun and with Wout van Aert it's his effectiveness I think is pretty probably one way of putting it and his kind of his panache Wout van Aert isn't it I think he's got panache he's just his consistency and is willing to but he's not got that how would I put it he's not it's weird how Matthew van der Poel and Wout van Aert such similar riders you're I'm always much more like taken by by Matthew van der Poel than Wout van Aert yeah, you are, aren't you? Hugely so. I can't, I, I can't really explain that. Uh, I think it's because of the roller coaster nature of Matthew yeah. Vanderpool. Well, I think there's a large. Uh, we're slightly moving on off to a slightly different subject, but that's fair enough because it's interesting. But Matthew Vanderpool, I think there's a quite a high percentage of Matthew Vanderpool that hates racing a bike. Yeah. Like I, I'm cursed at being this bloody good at it, and I'm yeah. stuck doing. It. But actually. I, it, it just it's a love hate, isn't it's, it? He ju- and also he does not like. Lo- he just can't deal with losing. Can he, Mathieu van der Poel? Hates it. Like, absolutely detests it. Yeah. Um, and Van Aert can be is a bit more phlegmatic about that. I think. Like and uh, yeah. And there's a slight more. There's more ease and urbane charm in Mathieu van der Poel. The way he smiles, mm. the way mm. he conducts himself. He he's um he's slightly more level headed. You know, in a way, even though on a bike he's a raging beast. Yeah. Van Aert, I think as a character, he's slightly more consistent, and mm. I think he's probably copes with the psychological rigors and the highs and lows of racing yeah. off the bike. P- possibly more ease than Mathieu van der Poel does. I think that's very good analysis. You yeah. know? Um, yeah. And all this you learn just from the way they behave on a bike. Yeah, and that's what I'm it's saying. So it's, curious. it's so curious. It's so curious. How yeah. we kind of build those stories up around the... Yeah. But yeah. There's old Victor Campanats with the short legs and the long back. And uh, he got himself the King of the Mountains jersey today. Mm. Um, I might try I might try emulating Victor Campanats on my bicycle on the way back, see if I can get that. Mm, give it a go. I'll give it a go. Uh, right okay Uh, one last thing I had to buy had to buy the Telegraph today Uh, your book review full page book review full page book review that's I was chuffed at that it's it's a lovely review it's the same one that was published online the other day but um, yeah just say it's the first time I've bought a newspaper shamefully I suppose I should have been supporting the printed press but I read less and less news to be perfectly honest with you now um, in 15 years and so I was gobsmacked to find that it cost four quid. Well, since when did newspapers cost four well, quid? I said it's a weekend edition. There's a lot there. Yeah, but last time I bought a weekend edition, it was like £1.20. And like the weekday, 50p. Like, it's just... I think four quid's a bargain, though, the amount of hours you can get from it. You're probably right. You're probably right. But also, the other thing that struck me was Ealing. Yeah, it's full of shops, isn't it? Ealing Broadway. Mm. I had to walk all the way to Smith's in the shopping centre before I found a newspaper shop. Really? So all the little... News agents and shops that historically would Didn't have sold any. newspapers, they just sell fizzy drinks and fags and vapes now, wow. don't they? 
and they don't sell newspapers anymore, even though the old hoarding at the top says newspapers, news agents. Thanks to people like you. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And here I am, and, and I've got this lovely printed record of a nice review, and I should be grateful. Yeah. And I'm not grateful. That's amazing. So you've got a so full page I, I am now the Telegraph I've, yeah. on a Saturday. And I had to pay four quid for And it. you're... <laughs> Oh my god! I'm really you sorry. I've learned myself. You've made it very clear to me now how ungrateful I am. That's insane. I'm. I'm actually feel embarrassed. I've got it's my hand in like, front of my yeah. face. I'm embarrassed. The, the, the I'm monetary appalled. worth I'm of that full page book review, <laughs> and you're whinging about the fact it cost you four quid. Anyway, Ned Bolton. I, I, I took out the review section. I gave the rest of the rag to Brian, who turned 89 yeah. today, and I think politically... Oh, can you give us some of uh, Brian's random words he's been spouting out? Uh, so Brian, Brian's, Brian, we've spoken about Brian, and many of you will be familiar with the, the legend that is Brian Venner, who founded this production company, uh, which for whom we are working, has, mm. that's broadcast the Tour de France since 1986 in the yeah. UK. V right, squared. That's Channel 4, V squared. And... Um, but um, Brian, uh, yeah, Brian turned 89 today and um, he's been sitting because he loves the cycling, he loves being with us. He's been sitting in our production office all week um, reading. Uh, he loves all sport. He loves all sport. So he loves Formula One, loves just, the, the cricket and all that. It's yeah. all going on. He's got his iPad with him. Yeah. He's always, occasionally his iPad bursts into life with some random music yeah. that just spills out of YouTube and it has to turn it down. But he's also got his nose in the Times and the Telegraph and he's reading articles. And I don't know whether he's aware of it, but every now and again, a word resonates with him in something he's reading and he just shouts it out. And I don't think he's aware that he's doing no. it. So um, uh, about four or five days ago, he was just in total silence, clacking away. I was doing my notes. Carolyn was doing her thing. I don't know whether you were in the office or not. And he just went, Lots! <laughs> I looked up and, and he, he, I don't think he, he wasn't aware. So no. I, and then a bit later on in the day, he went, Do a leaper! <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the next day, it was, Rishi! <laughs> and the best one of all that just floored me and killed me off completely was, Pocahontas! <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll try and get Fred right to do the... Um, Let's the go thing. try and get Fred. Yeah, try and get Fred. Um, I think he's too big big time for us. I, I'll yeah. be honest. Um, but I'll keep my eye on uh, on selection and um, I might try and get um, David Godu instead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 